Hello everybody, I'm Ian Abernethy and welcome to the latest ianabernethy.com podcast. Uh, this podcast is on Kakapo Do, or the way of the Kakapo. And the Kakapo is a um, critically endangered, uh, flightless, nocturnal parrot from New Zealand. And it might seem like a, an odd subject to do a martial arts podcast on, but I believe that the Kakapo um, is a pretty good analogy for many of the problems and inefficiencies we've got in uh, modern martial arts. So essentially the podcast is uh, looking at some of the strange and weird and wonderful things that we do in the martial arts due to a lack of practicality, really. And the kakapo is a very bizarre bird that evolved the way it did because of a lack of predators. So you'll see the analogy as we progress. Uh, before we get into that, just like to thank everyone for the support of the YouTube channel. That's the Practical Katabunka YouTube channel. Uh, the viewing figures for them are just through the roof, and I'm really glad that you're finding those videos uh, enjoyable. So thank you very much for your support of uh, support of those. Um, fast approaching a million views, which I'm quite excited about. Uh, the other bit of uh, news on this front as well is just like to remind people that uh, if you follow us on uh, Facebook, on Facebook. Um, dot com forward slash Ian Abernethy. Uh, the way Facebook works is once you've liked the page, it doesn't automatically put everything I put out in your page. It only tends to do that if you're liking posts on a regular basis. So if you want to be the first to see those videos and know everything that's going on, uh, please be sure to continue to like the uh, the, the, the posts. And uh, seminars, that's the other thing I wish to mention. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been at the recent ones. Uh, 2015's got off to a, a great start. Really enthusiastic people at the seminars have been really well attended. So very grateful to you all for that. And of course, the hosts for uh, organising it all and making it all possible. I think I'm solidly booked now for about the next 14 or 15 months with seminars. And we've got bookings, you know, as far ahead as the end of next year even. So it, it's a good position to, to be and it's good to see um, that the interest in practical karate is uh, growing ever stronger. So thank you to everyone for the, the support of those. Um, okay, so I think that's enough for this introduction, really. I um, just wanted to offer my thanks for those things. And we're going to get into the main... Oh, d d nearly forgot. main thing you will have noticed, of course, is um, new music. I've, I've uh, done four new pieces of music for the, uh, the podcast, which you'll hear at various points. So um, let me know what you think of them, which which bits you like, and I'll try and make the podcasts maybe a little bit more um, easy on the ear <laughs> than some of the kind of uh, punk rock stuff that I've normally used on the podcasts in the past. Anyway, okay, so thank you very much for uh, for listening in. Uh, I'll now we'll now go over to the main um, part of this month's podcast, which is uh, Kakapo Do, or the way of the Kakapo. If you've been in the martial arts for more than five minutes, you can't uh, help but be struck by the vast number of animal names associated with techniques and styles. I mean, we've got cat stance, horse stance, the anaconda choke, gator rolls, uh, white crane kung fu. We've got catters like with names like crane on a rock, you know, skankaku, or uh, enpi, which is Japanese for the, the swallow, you know, the bird. We've also got lions, bears, tigers, cranes, snakes, monkeys, leopards, and many more. 
I do, however, feel we're missing one animal. Uh, I feel it's an animal that accurately reflects the state of much of modern martial arts. Uh, the animal in question is a bird called a kakapo, which is why I've called this podcast, you know, Kakapo Do, or The Way of the Kakapo. Uh, the kakapo is a parrot native to New Zealand. It's the rarest parrot on earth, and it's one of the most unusual. Uh, as well as being one of the rarest parrots in existence, it's also the heaviest. You know, it weighs up to like four kilos or nine pounds. It's also the world's only flightless parrot, and it's now critically endangered. Um, its name comes from the Maori terms kaka, which means parrot, and po, which means night, which is so a night parrot, which reflects the fact that the kakapo is nocturnal. Um, before we get into why I feel the kakapo is an appropriate bird to represent modern martial arts, I think I need to tell you just a little bit more about it. Um, now, one way, of course, in which most birds can escape uh, predators is simply to fly away. And I can see that happen in my own back garden when the local cats try to capture the feeding birds. The birds simply take flight and land atop of the local houses and trees until the danger is past. The reason the kakapo can't do that is because for long periods of time it had no ground-based predators. Uh, where the kakapo lived there were no dogs, no cats, no weasels, no ferrets, no stoats. And I mean this is of course pretty unique and it was this unique environment that led to the development of such an unusual and unique bird. The lack of ground-based predators meant that the ability to escape them was not a factor in which birds got to survive and breed. Birds with weak wing muscles, which would normally have been taken out of the gene pool in other environments, were able to breed and have offspring. Now, over time, these birds slowly produced offspring, which eventually became the kakapo. Um, a bird that's unable to fly, that has very weak wing muscles, it's got short wings, it's got a heavy body mass, and it's got a small keel on the sternum. And the keel is the bit which, you know, the muscles used for flying are attached to. But, I mean, despite all this, the kakapo was able to survive due to its lack of predators. However, it had big problems when we humans brought uh, predators back in the 1840s. We reintroduced mammalian predators, such as the aforementioned dogs, cats, weasels, ferrets and stoats, because those animals help us with farming, hunting, and we, you know, we keep them as pets as well, of course. The first problem that the kakapo had was it was unable to recognise the new predators as threats. It didn't understand the danger they posed and it will happily walk towards them. It'll do the same with people too and there's loads of footage online of them walking right up to camera crews to see what's going on. Um, there are also reports of the kakapo trying to mate with possums um, and hence willingly walking up to one of its predators and provoking it. Um, not wise but the kakapo knows no better. Um, it's a very trusting bird, if we can anthropomorphise like that. Um, and it's not good at avoiding threats that its environment poses. Uh, once a predator makes clear that it's something to be feared, the kakapo has additional problems in that it can no longer fly in the way that its ancestors would. For um, long periods of time, the kakapo could happily walk along the ground, not making use of its wings. But now the predators were back, being able to fly is once again a must-have skill. The kakapo will try to fly, but it often ends up flat on its face. And I'm sure you're starting to see why the kakapo is critically endangered. One of the things the kakapo can do pretty well is climb. We had to learn to climb, because it was the only way it could reach its favourite food, which is the fruit of the rimu tree. So sometimes a kakapo would try to climb um, to safety. 
Um, but he can't climb very quickly because its climbing skill is all about collecting berries, not hunting or escaping. So when the kakapo gets caught mid-climb, it tries to do what other birds would do. It tries to do what its instinct tells it to do. It tries to fly. And the resulting attempt at flight sees the kakapo plummet to its doom. Flight, literally, and fight uh, are not options for this bird, so all it has left is freeze. So when alarmed, it will freeze and remain totally still. And again, this makes it very easy prey if it's already been spotted. Um, the kakapo has uh, bright green plumage, and I think you know it's a pretty beautiful looking parrot. Uh, the kakapo also plays a role in Maori folklore and beliefs as well. So anyway, that's enough kind of natural history. So now let me explain, if you've not got it already, why the way of the kakapo is widespread in modern martial arts. So let's look at kind of five points, and we'll start with number one. So number one, the kakapo does not understand the predators in its environment. So in the classic text on strategy, The Art of War, Sun Tzu said, If you know your enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. The kakapo does not know his enemy, and he doesn't know himself. It doesn't know itself because it tries to fly when threatened when it can't fly. And it doesn't know its enemy because it doesn't recognise its predators as a threat. And it doesn't appreciate it's, that it's putting itself in danger, you know, trying to mate with possums, for example. Now, when it comes to civilian self-protection, many modern martial artists also don't fully understand their enemy. They don't understand the nature of the criminal. Uh, they make unfounded assumptions and they don't appreciate the actions and omissions that can put them in danger. We constantly see martial artists assume that criminal violence is the same as a consensual fight within their chosen field. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about just a lack of rules here, but the very nature and dynamics of the conflict. Uh, BJJ guys assume criminal violence will be like a rule-free BJJ match. Um, Karateka think criminal violence will be the same as a karate match, but with more contact. Practitioners of military systems or military-inspired systems think that their deadly methods are a perfect fit for the civilian environment. Boxers imagine standing off footwork, slipping and fainting, will have just as large a role to play in criminal violence as it does in a boxing belt, and so on. And that's not everybody of those styles, of course, but we can certainly see those traits. And we remember the criminal does not want to fight. He doesn't want a square go. He'll use surprise, numbers, weapons, everything they can to ensure that they get what they want from you as quickly as possible without you even realising it. Training for fighting and believing that that prepares you for self-protection shows that you fundamentally don't understand your enemy. You're making the false assumption he's just like you. It's the solution-defining problem, or, to put it another way, system-reinventing violence, as opposed to the correct approach of problem-defining solution, or system-reflecting the true nature of civilian conflict. Now, awareness and avoidance are often given lip service in the martial arts, but that's nowhere near enough. We need to practice how to be aware and what to be aware of. We need to practice avoidance, de-escalation and escape, and not just add those terms to fighting training, the belief that that will cut it, because it won't. Another, another element of the way of the kakapo is not understanding the nature and the consequences of the behaviours that expose you to predators. Acting like a loudmouth badass because of your fighting skills will rub predators up the wrong way. Letting your ego dictate your actions when someone insults you is also likely to lead to unnecessary confrontation and legal problems. Don't go to places where violence is likely. Don't associate with violent people. Know your predators and keep out of the way. 
So number two, uh, the lack of predators has resulted in a bird that is unable to adequately protect itself. Now, I think this is a big one. Uh, we thankfully live in one of the least violent times in history. We live far longer than our ancestors did, and only a very small percentage of us will meet our end through violence. I mean, that's obviously a great thing. However, one effect that this can have on the martial art is that because predators are removed from our environment, martial artists can develop in non-pragmatic ways. The forerunners of the kakapo could fly. The kakapo cannot. Likewise, we often find that the older versions of our art will work. But, now that the predators have largely been removed, the offspring of those methods can evolve in weird ways. And which can all seem perfectly fine until you run across a predator. If violence was to become an everyday occurrence and your very survival depended on your martial skill, you can bet things like three-step sparring, five-step sparring and so on would disappear from training in a heartbeat. There'd be no more practice against formal attacks from ten feet away. Such methods don't help develop functional skills and hence they're like the wings of the kakapo. They may look functional to the uneducated eye, but they're effectively good for nothing. The return of the predators would also quickly rule out deliberately taking fights to the floor, the blindness to how one-on-one -on -one tactics don't fare well outside the consensual fighting paradigm. Um, that would end, uh, and things like escape skills would be drilled repeatedly by everyone and not just given lip service. Just like the kakapo, everything can seem just fine until a predator turns up, and by then it's too late to realise that your system has developed to produce something that's largely unworkable. Like the kakapo, you'll flap your metaphorical wings, believing that they'll take you to safety, only to find you plummet to the floor. If we truly want to practice a system which can keep us safe, then we need to ensure we remain ever critical of what we do. We need to avoid evolving to dysfunction, through always keeping the predators in mind and accurately replicating that in training. Live practice, which reflects the true nature of civilian violence, as far as safety permits, is a must in order to prevent dysfunctional aberrations from becoming and remaining the norm. To avoid being a practitioner of kakapodo, you need to ensure that functional traits, drills, skills and training methods are what you engage in and are what you pass on. They will help ensure true function. The true nature of criminal violence must be embraced, otherwise our art can shift to become as functional as a kakapo's wings. Okay, so number three, the kakapo can't fly, but it still tries to fly when it's threatened, which has disastrous results. Now, to me, the martial arts are about so much more than just effective self-protection skills. They're hugely enjoyable and beneficial pursuit that can give us things of much greater value than simply an increased ability to break faces. They can provide personal challenge, make us fit, help relieve stress. They can help us um, spend time with positive people in a positive environment. They're a great, great way to meet friends, develop character and so on. These undeniably positive benefits of martial practice has led to many disconnecting these benefits from the entry-level requirement of functional self-protection skills. Now, if a martial art can't keep you and your loved ones safe, then, to me, it's not really a martial art. Now, as I say, I regard functional self-protection skills as a base-level entry requirement for any system. I mean, that said, there are others who enjoy the martial arts as pure sport, pure art, a workout routine, a form of moving meditation, and so on. And they're totally happy to do those uh, things without ever considering uh, self-protection. 
Now, not everyone needs to hold the same view as I do, and I've no great problem with the aforementioned approaches, so long as it's made crystal clear that what is being practised has no self-protection content. Martial sports are great fun and have lots to offer, spectator and practitioner alike. Art for art's sake can be life-enriching. It's good to move in an artistic way and to admire the grace and power of a well-trained human body in action. It's good to keep fit and healthy, and I can fully appreciate how martial motions can be an appealing way to do that. You are not a practitioner of the way of the kakapo if, any of the, if you do any of the things we've just mentioned. The great things to do in and of themselves. Where the problem comes in is when what is being practiced is not functional in self-protection, but by design or default, the practitioner thinks it is. In this case, we're courting disaster, just as the kakapo does when it mistakenly thinks it can fly. If you go to cardio kickboxing and believe that you're developing effective self-protection skills, you're practicing kakapo do. If uh, what you do uh, has an entire emphasis placed on form and not function, but the inference is that somehow will, everything will work when required, again, you're engaged in kakapo do. If you're learning a competitive system and believe it will work just as it is when the context moves from consensual one-on-one -on -one fighting to non-consensual criminal violence committed by both individuals and groups, then you're practicing kakapo do. Of course, we can, and I would say should, train for more than just one thing. Uh, we miss out on so much of what the martial arts have to offer if we don't. However, we need to be 100% clear on what we're training for in any given instance. It's no good training for one set of skills thinking it will develop another set of skills. The kakapo thinks it can fly when it can't and that can be disastrous. Thinking we can protect ourselves when we can't can be similarly disastrous. Okay, number four, um, the inability to fly or fight means that the kakapo freezes when it finds itself threatened. Um, we talk about the, you know, the flight or fight response, um, but in the absence of either of those options, we'll also freeze, you know, that's the, the third F, in the hope that the predator hasn't seen us. We can't outfight it, we can't outrun it, let's stay still and hope it hasn't seen us. But if freezes all we have, there's obviously going to be huge problems if the predator has seen us. Remember that the kakapo is critically endangered, so we can safely assume freeze isn't working that well for it. Having methods um, to avoid and break the freeze are a key part of any functional self-protection system. Training needs to include getting surprised and attack without warning in order to practice and develop this ability. Um, those who have been to my seminars will know, we know I've got lots of drills for this. Uh, practicing fight or flight, or more ac accurately, uh, fight to flee, or and and fleeing without fighting uh, that's a, a must a must you must do that if you're always practicing fight to win and you never practice escaping then like the kakapo you're severely limiting yourself such that largely ineffective methods are all that remains fighting to win can lead to legal problems and tactical problems too because you'll still be in harm's way when you could have gotten out of there not fighting is the best way to stay safe in self-protection. So escape needs to be a skill that you've honed. It needs to be a honed option for you. Okay, number five. The kakapo can't do what birds are meant to do. But it still looks good. And it's even had a spiritual significance attached to it. The kakapo is a bird that has wings but can't fly. And it's not well suited to the environment it finds itself in. 
I mean, if you look at like ostriches and penguins, they're flightless birds too, of course, but no, they're well suited to their environment. The kakapo can't do what most birds do. It does, however, look like a standard bird, you know, more so than the aforementioned ostriches and penguins. And at first glance, you'd probably expect it to be able to fly. It's a lovely shade of green. And uh, as we mentioned earlier on, the kakapo plays a role in Maori uh, folklore and beliefs. It's said that the kakapo can see the future. Uh, but as we know, the ones that tried to mate with possums and ran towards dogs can safely be said to have lacked foresight. Um, sadly, we have martial arts like that today too. It may look like a martial art at first glance. It may look good. It may have exciting stories told about it. And it may even have some spiritual significance superimposed onto it. But none of those things are any indication of function. The measure of martial arts in self-protection is not what it looks like, what's said about it, but how it actually functions. In the martial arts world, we often see arts being judged on arbitrary aesthetics, lineage, tall tales of past, uh, past practitioners, and so on. You know, that's what I call artificial success criteria. However, if it is function we want, then function is the only valid measure. Now, as I hope I've got across, you know, I think the kakapo is a good analogy for much of modern martial arts. Indeed, we could go as far to say that kakapo do, and I do like saying that, <laughs> or the way of the kakapo is probably one of the world's most widely practiced martial arts. Uh, to avoid being a practitioner of this demonstrably dysfunctional system, we need to ensure the following. So these are kind of like five key points that relate to the five points we've just discussed. So the first one is, you know, we need to understand the nature of criminal violence. The second point is that we need to ensure all practice is in line with that understanding. So inefficient and ineffective practices cannot prosper. Uh, number three, we need to be fully aware of what we're training for in any given instance. We also need to be clear and honest about what we're training for and not assume that training in one area will somehow produce skill in another area. Uh, number four, we need to practice breaking the freeze, fighting to flee and escaping. If we don't do that, we're very likely to be freeze, be left static and hence be extremely vulnerable. And number five, how something looks or what's said about it are irrelevant. The only valid measure of function is function. If we fail to do any of the above, then we're like the kakapo. We'll be ill-prepared should the worst happen and we'll also be flirting with extinction. Once the predators are removed, the kakapo was free to develop from its fully functioning ancestors. As a karateka, I see much of modern karate has also removed consideration and understanding of the predators, and as a result, it's a dysfunctional system developing from a functional one. Kata without bunkai is a modern phenomenon. As are things like three-step sparring, fighting from 10 feet away against formal choreographed attacks, multiple enemy drills where people attack in turn along the compass point and so on. None of that can be found in the older karate. And the only reason it persists today is because of the removal of the predators. Uh, when we reintroduce the reality of civilian violence, as it is, we inevitably find ourselves going back to a much more functional and authentic karate. The kakapo is a good analogy to explain why functional martial arts are far rarer than they should be. I mean, there's less than 150 kakapo left. To remain relevant and to have a bright future, whatever art you practice, you need to keep in mind the things discussed in this podcast.
that's definitely one of the more unusual analogies I've used, but I, I hope uh, you enjoyed uh, listening to that. I mean, the essential point of the podcast is, you know, once you remove predators, strange things can evolve without consequence. And I think we see a lot of that in, in modern martial arts. You know, we're, we take our eye off the ball and we get these strange practices evolving without consequence, of course, until the predators are, are uh, reintroduced. So I hope you enjoyed that. And if nothing else, you know a little bit more about this strange, nocturnal, heavy, flightless parrot. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you never know what you're going to learn off these podcasts, do you? Uh, so, yes, thank you very much for uh, for your support of these podcasts. Uh, as I've said before, and I love putting these things together. Uh, I really do enjoy them, and the feedback from them is always uh, very positive. So thank you for listening in and spreading the, uh, the word about them. So I'll be back with uh, another podcast uh, very soon. In the meantime, you know, I hope to see you at the, uh, the seminars. And um, if I'm not in your location, you know, keep an eye on Facebook and, and Twitter, you know, so Facebook's Ian Abernethy and Twitter's at Ian Abernethy, uh, both spelled I-A-I-N-A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y. And of course, the website uh, on the forum, you know, we've got a really vibrant community there and we're constantly chatting all things Marshall. So pop along and play your part in that as well. It'll be good to good to chat with you. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening in. I'll be back uh, be back soon, and um, have a good month until uh, I speak to you next. Okay, take care now. Bye bye. <laughs>